Hi, welcome. This is Dr. John Martini. This is one of the most amazing and inspiring shows that you can listen into. If you want to be on the edge of your seats, if you want to open up your heart, if you want to expand your mind, and you want to meet incredible people, stay tuned because you're just about to experience a transformative radio show that will change your life. And you're listening to the Dr. Pat Show is coming up right next. The following audio is via a Skype call. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. Talk radio to thrive by. Powerful, inspiring, and coming to you live, bringing you stories of people like you and me, busting through and living life full out. Get ready to dare to wonder what your life would be like if you knew you could not fail. Hey, everybody. Welcome. I want to welcome you to the Dr. Pat Show. This is Talk Radio to Thrive By. I want to welcome everybody to Transformation Talk Radio, transformationradio.fm. You know, what an amazing time we live in. What an amazing time we live in. You know, I happen to be one of these folks that I am so absolutely delighted about today's show, Benny. I'm just, I'm just like so, I'm giddy. And uh, and the reason I am is because, uh, in, you know, those of us, and my heart goes out to the people uh, in Hoboken, New York City, those folks for that accident this morning. You know, that is a rail system that I'm quite familiar with. And just the heart goes out to everybody over there. And who knows why things happen. But the reason that I'm talking about this is because some of us, that have either taken the train, taken the ferry, whatever the tubes from Jersey to New York, or if you lived in the Bronx like me, you're in the Bronx, what is it that we are so familiar with? Many of you think, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. Okay, is she going to talk about 9-11? Nope, I did that on another show. But there's something that if you grow up in that environment as children, that you hear the stories about from your people. My people, the people that came from Italia, the stories of the grandma, the mom, the dad, they came in and what do they talk about? Lady Liberty. Now, why is this an important show today? We have Dr. Robert Hieronymus joining me here today, Laura Kortner, authors of The Secret Life of Lady Liberty, Goddess in the New World. And what is it about this, that if we fast forward to the time we live in right now, and we think about what the Dalai Lama said, what was it, Benny, three years ago Dalai Lama was in Seattle? I believe so, yeah. Mm -hmm. About three years. Said, guess what's going to happen over here? We are going to be led by feminine energy here. But we have already been led by feminine energy decades and decades ago. This book, we get to look at The Secret Life of Lady Liberty, Goddess in the New World. We get to look at the Statue of Liberty through the, the, through the eyes the, and the pen of Dr. Bob and Laura. We get, to, we get to look through their pens, their voice, about how the Statue of Liberty has become symbolism beyond the feminine, beyond the divine feminine in America, but what it is now coming to mean today. And I'm telling you that this book, this conversation today couldn't have come any sooner. You know, in a world that we're living in now, 
where we've almost forgotten to honor the divine feminine, to respect each other, whether it's feminine or masculine. And what is it about the Statue of Liberty that may be the essence of the perfect synthesis of all of those energies? Uh, Dr. Bob, Laura, welcome to the show. It's great to have you here. Great. Well, Thank what, you. A, what a joy to be invited. Well, let's talk about you two for a minute. You know, I, I only did a little short introduction because I love to hear people talk about themselves. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I, I got to tell you, Dr. Bob, I, I looked at your resume and I thought, holy crap, I want to be him when I grow up. And <laughs> then I realized I was already grown up, so that's not going to happen. Um, uh, and, and you as well, Laura. It's like, wait a minute, I'm just looking at how you both are showing up in life to shine a light on something that has been so prominent in our history, but I do believe that we have lost our memory around what it signified. Uh, and thank you for writing the book. I, it, it, I want to start with you, Dr. Bob. Am I even close about that? Have we forgotten the, you know, the majesty of the Statue of Liberty and the energy of this? Yes, we have to a certain degree because mm -hmm. We're at, our planet, our country especially, is out of balance. The mm -hmm. Statue of Liberty is all about balance. As a matter of fact, if you know the chakra system and the Kabbalah, and you imagine the chakras going up through the crown chakra, you can understand that this is a being that has much higher consciousness than, well, she's a goddess. And because of that, of she is a leader. And I was raised in the 40s and 50s to believe that mm -hmm. women were not the mental equals of men. Yeah. That's, that's pretty crummy. I was a patriarch and didn't even know I was a patriarch. <laughs> and it wasn't until I was a young man that uh, one of my mentors, who was William Donald Schaefer, who was a Baltimore's uh, uh, mayor. mayor and governor at that time, he asked me to do his posters. I did him two posters. He won on both the, the both those elections, and yeah. I wanted to ask him something. I and he, I said, "Look, how how do you become successful? How did you mm -hmm. do this?" Because he was running against this is Baltimore's African American mostly, and was then, and the person running against him was a black man, and uh, and he didn't he was not the favorite. He was the he was going to lose, so. When he did win, I decided I'm going to ask him, how did he do it? And he said, surround yourself with intelligent women. In other words, put intelligent women on your committees, and you will be assured that the job will get done because women look for compromise. They look for balance uh. more often than domination. Domination is killing this country and not just the I better not get into that aspect of it, but, but you know, <laughs> so the domination uh, is something that has certainly harmed our nation in the last uh, several decades, well, for a long time, and we are out of balance. And the symbols in the Statue of Liberty, and symbols are very important. They they're, they're link us to higher consciousness and give us balance. And my Ph.D. is in the area of uh, humanistic and transpersonal psychology, yeah. so I'm biased. <laughs> I can't that area. Uh, Carl Jung is one of my all-time favorites. And, yes. You know, when you study the symbols, 
such as the torch, the radiant crown, the chain, and you study where they are located on it, it tells a story of how to stay in balance. And that opened up that opens up heart. Love is the key to everything. I know this is gonna sound a little boring, but love is the cohesive force in the universe. And that's a definition uh, from various secret societies uh, who have mm-hmm. studied this intensely. And of course, in, in transper- transpersonal psychology and human psychology, love is, is, is the enlighter. So that's what, how it changed my life. Um, and I think if other, and I know Laura, look, I surround myself now with every woman that I work with is far more intelligent than I am. They work just as hard as I do, and we work uh, day and night, all the time, on numerous projects. Yeah. So it's an inspiration to be around that energy. It's, it's an energy that's in balance. And, and uh, Laura, would you like to take over on that? Yeah, well, and Laura, as as, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Laura, one of the things I, I want to talk about, in, and you, you both, you know, this is beautifully written. This book is amazing, actually. Uh, I especially like the picture of Bob with Mad Magazine. Yeah, um, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's got to be the all-time best. Um, you know, I, I'm thinking for the millennials, they they need to bring back Mad Magazine, Mad Magazine in a big was way. Great, wasn't it? Yeah, it was totally, it was totally fun. Um, but I want to uh, talk with you about this for a minute in many ways. First of all, I'm not sure, but maybe you can enlighten me. When did the word goddess become a dirty word? Uh, that that's kind of my first question. When did we go from that being the most beautiful? And I think the Wonder Woman movie is going to bring new light on that. Mm-hmm. But when did that word goddess become like, oh, let's whisper that. Let's whisper that. And then how are we seeing it emerge today? Well, I think that is one of the the reasons the title of the book ended up being what it was, the secret yeah. life of Lady Liberty and that she is a goddess. I think when we're... The, the education we get about her in elementary school and so forth, we know she's a goddess. She's based on the Roman goddess Libertas, but yeah. in our minds that just gets lumped together with all the Greek and Roman mythology. It's just a story. But what we're trying to do is remember and get Americans to remember that this symbol that we use to identify ourselves is a goddess, because acknowledging that divine female is part of the American tradition could help shift America's self-identity, because recognizing the goddess means recognizing life is sacred. And that's what we're trying to do. When we've studied her symbolism and her history, we ended up finding, we were tasked by our publisher to look at her as a goddess. We were just going to do a simple book on her symbolism, breaking it down, the torch, the radiant crown, the chain, and so forth, and go through some of her ancestors that the revolutionary generation had. They had their versions of a liberty goddess that look similar, but usually wore Indian dress, you know, tobacco leaf skirt and so on. But our publisher said, we'd really like you to look at her as a goddess in the new world. That's where that came from. So we started to look at other examples of divine female, and especially in the Americas, amongst the indigenous traditions. And what we find, of course, is is that cultures that revere the female as, as sacred also partner with their females in real life. So you have partnership societies instead of the hierarchical societies. And you know who discovered this was the suffragists in the 1880s or so when the Statue of Liberty is going up. They also discovered, oh, look at these League of the Iroquois around us. They have women who are in power, 
and they do all their important decisions with the women involved. They won't go to war. They won't negotiate peace unless the women are making those decisions for them. The Council of the Clan Mothers was likable to the Supreme Court in our particular situation. So, well, when that went up, and even around the revolutionary generation, they they populated their landscape with goddesses. Washington, D.C. is a prime example. There are goddesses mm-hmm. everywhere. Because these were educated neoclassical people, and they saw the depiction of an allegorical female as a metaphor of, of virtue, generally. They used it to to uh, encourage their population to be virtuous citizens, and we could get into that with great detail, but yeah. it also suppressed women's and their opportunity to become powerful. However, by the mid-1800s, when the Statue of Liberty goes up, the suffragists were also saying, this is hip- this is a giant hypocrisy. You're raising this huge female in, the, in New York Harbor when, as a symbol of liberty when women in this country have no liberties at all. So yeah. this, they, they protested at first, but then later they came around. They said, oh, she's actually on our side. And then later generations also did that. They dress up as the Statue of Liberty, and they use that as their empowering symbol. The feminists from the 1970s also did the same thing. They went out there and put up that banner, Women of the World Unite, hanging from the Statue of Liberty's pedestal. So she is a symbol of a powerful woman. That's what she is. And if we can see that to energize American women, as you were saying, the Dalai Lama, Western women will save the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is uh, America's charge. Uh, we have this goddess energy in our identity. And if we can acknowledge that and get away from the fear, you were asking about the fear. That comes yes. from the the renovation, so to speak, of the Christian, uh, mm-hmm. the extremist Christians that moved in around the 1930s, 1940s, especially in the 1950s, when they decided they, they, they started to mingle politics very closely with the right-wing religious uh, you, you There's a good book on this called The Family, which is about mm-hmm. the fundamentalist uh, influence on the right-wing politics, and how they, they crafted a more macho Jesus. And uh, 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 President Eisenhower was the first one to start attending these national prayer breakfasts, and uh, he's the one that allowed them to declare that uh, in God we trust and put that line about God into the Pledge of Allegiance. None of that was there before the 1950s. Yeah, and let me ask you a question, and, and we're going to go ahead and skip this break because we got a lot, we have a lot to talk about. Okay. Um, you know, the symbolism, um, if we look at the Statue of Liberty without having this conversation, right, without you all writing a book, there are many cultures that arrived here in this country that don't necessarily relate to her, uh, at, or at least I've been told that. They, some folks relate to the symbolism uh, of what she stood for, but other cultures look at that and say, just like you just talked about, talk about the hypocrisy here. Um, isn't the symbolism of the Statue of Liberty, doesn't it transcend whether this is a woman, whether it's a man, whether she's white or not, but yet at the same time, aren't we in search for something that recognizes uh, the goddess of every race, ethnicity, color, and so forth. H- how do we address that question for people? Well, I would take a look at the faith of Statue of Liberty. Mm-hmm. You look at it carefully, and it's androgynous. Yes. It's neither it is. male or female, and that's when one of the symbols of balance. And uh, that 
that really just uh, it blew my mind when I saw that because you hear these stories that it was actually maybe a prostitute. <laughs> they mm-hmm. always bring that up. Maybe yes. it was a prostitute. That it was the men do stupid things like that all the time. <laughs> uh, and then maybe uh, there was also the belief that maybe it was his mother, and then maybe it was his wife. But I don't think it was any of that. Uh, I think it basically was, you know, when you're doing something that is goddess or godlike, yeah. you're not going to mm-hmm. get into personalities. You're going to get into beingness. And the beingness, and this is really very interesting. I, I'd like to refer to some ancient cultures that we had that, yeah. that, that either existed or didn't exist, but I think they did. Taking it back to the work, say, for instance, of Rudolf Steiner, or the work of H.P. Plavatsky. You go back to about uh, 26 million years or so, when human beings, what human beings were, were both male and female. And at the, on the continent of Lemuria, you had what was called the alleged separation of the sexes, and wherein the, the female became the intuitive half, and, and the uh, male became the active half in the physical world. And they lost their balance, in other words. We as souls are androgynous. And in the Statue of Liberty, when you look at that face, it reminds me of that, and that's why I'm so happy today that so many of my dear friends who were androgynous or who were homosexual or were whatever can actually can, can live lives now because it was horrendous what I had seen my friends go through. And yeah. it's just amazing that under this administration, these things have moved along. So, so that's how I feel about that. Could I well, just add I, something about flexibility? Because that's what yes. good symbols are. Good symbols are like that. You were saying they can be interpreted by so many different ways. And, and yes. The, yes. She's an archetype. She can be yes, she interpreted is. by anti-immigration as a pro-national, keep them out, and she can be interpreted obviously as a pro-immigration or just about pro-war, anti-war. She's been accepted by all kinds of groups of people and it's a good metaphor because literally the statue is flexible she was designed that way to withstand the winds she actually sways a little bit in those gale force winds and the yeah. copper <laughs> the copper expands and contracts in the yep. heat and the cold so it's it she's hollow and you can fill her up metaphorically with just about any meaning you want because she's a a clear symbol but, you know, she wasn't originally designed as a symbol for immigration. That overlay was added 20 years or more later. And yeah. before she came up, there was a lot of resistance amongst Americans, and there was a lot of anti-immigration feeling at that time as well. Uh, Americans weren't too thrilled about accepting this gift. There was quite a lot of resistance. And then as soon as she went up, it's like we've been, uh, she's been ours all along. There was almost an immediate adoption of her and an immediate change of what she meant. And she has changed in the 130 years considerably as far as our interpretation of her. But what's consistent is she stays the conscience, sort of, of our nation. She is clearly what we are best designed to be. We're certainly not always living up to that most of the time, but she is the ideal of what America can be. And it's embodied by a goddess. That's the key point. She's like our mother. Yeah. She's like our mom. Well, your book, your book does something interesting that I, I want to make sure our listeners know. You know, I, I love that it's called The Secret Life of Lady Liberty, but this book isn't just about her, right. it, him, whatever you decide. Yeah. And the reason I want to I highlight this for the moment 
is that people that are listening that are thinking, okay, I, I pretty much understand everything I need to understand about the state Statue of Liberty. That's not what this book is really about. You literally take us on a journey through many, many, uh, uh, not just decades, centuries though, of, of symbolism, centuries of relationships. For example, the Statue of Liberty and the Secrets of Mary. And you talk about this in the book. Um, I think one of the most controversial movies that's getting ready to come to the forefront is not the new Tom Hanks movie about, you know, like uh, Da Vinci. It's going to be the new movie coming forward that Rumi Mara is playing in and uh, Joaquin Phoenix of Mary Magdalene. And yet here you are. I mean, and the reason I'm mentioning it is because I want to talk about how you must have anticipated the very moment we're in now. I mean, let's look at the irony of women emerging, not just with this election, but let's talk about it and how some of these secrets relate to a day and age where actors get on the stage and win, in a, uh, and win an Academy Award and start talking as women actors, they don't call themselves actresses anymore, right. and start talking about unequal pay. Yeah. But it's, it's, it's like all of a sudden, in the past 12 months, there is an energy and emergence and something happening. My numerology friends have a reason, but I want to hear from you. I mean, is it now time for the secrets, the veil to be removed, you know, the rock to be lifted, for some of this information to rise up to consciousness? Yeah, the resurgence of the divine feminine, some people will call it. Which we will need, especially with the kind of times that we're moving into, the Native Americans basically say, excuse me, that that, uh, nature is now our mom, is going to be in revolt. That's how they see the great changes that are coming. And unfortunately, most people are not going to be prepared for those changes. We can begin to see some of the flooding and the fires, etc., but it's almost like uh, the the old symbolism of of Noah's Ark. You know, those old stories when you read about Noah's Ark and nobody believed Noah and he was doing this and that, and uh, everybody used to laugh and say, how could they not believe that there were these big changes coming? We don't believe mm-hmm. you, Noah. Mm-hmm. Well, guess what? We're in that right now. We're in the, seeing the beginning of it. We just had another record-setting hot summer. Uh, and uh, But what we're not being told is we may also be moving towards what's called an ice age. I remember seeing papers. I had friends that were in the CIA and OSS, yeah. and, they, and they shared with me in 1977 information that, yes, we are having, going to have weather changes, yes, it's going to get hotter, but then they said, it's then going to get colder. It's mm-hmm. almost like some of those movies, 2012, et cetera, right. uh, and, and we are going to need each other. There's not going to be enough good, clean water. People will hardly be able to afford good, clean water. Oh, yes, if you're a billionaire, you can, and a millionaire, but we are eliminating our clean water, especially through the process of fracking. Uh, So I see that we have great challenges. 
Mm-hmm. We have to unite. Yes, we do well in this country when we have these kind of floods. We there's we love to serve. Mm-hmm. People serve each other. And there's always the story of, well, 300 so were, were killed, but guess what? They got out there and they put that neighborhood back together and everything is topsy-turvy, fine. But uh, I see it that we feel intuitively these changes are coming. It's being denied. You can't talk about these kind of changes in Florida. You can't talk about these changes in Texas. Texas is like another world, the way they treat women down there. Well, you know, Bob's talking about the environment, which we bring up through one of the Statue of Liberty's ancestors called the Indian Queen, which you can yeah. see on our website. We've got a lot of uh, pictures up there on, in our gallery at the Secret Life of Lady Liberty. Com. But I think to answer your question, Pat, I think, yes, there's definitely a movement. It's unconscious, more or less, but I would trace it back to the 1970s and the women's rights movement, because oh, what yeah. happened was a lot of women obviously became liberated, and they it happens in the family, and they raised their sons and their daughters to be compassionate, you know, and to, to judge people on their values and their strengths and to value caregiving. That's where we're, we keep repeating that because it's the, it's the key element of goddess message. And the message from Lady Liberty is that we need to get in tap with our feminine strengths and to honor those so-called feminine strengths of life-giving, which is the Earth Mother, and that's why the indigenous cultures respected the Earth and the women. So mm-hmm. these young men growing up now raising their own families just take that for granted, and we see that in the passage of the legislation of more fairness and balance amongst the people who choose their romantic partners differently. You know, mm-hmm. the so-called the suffragists were big on that too. They called it free love, which was different yeah. from it became called in the 1960s. But back then, they just meant you need to be able to stop legislating that. It should not be part of of what we are allowed to do legally. You know, you should be able to choose who you love. Uh, freely. That's your liberty. Yeah. And let's talk about this for a minute in terms, and I mean, I I can't say enough about the book, and I'm going to refer to it throughout the show today. We're going to take a break in a minute. Um, But one of the things I really want to reflect upon is how afraid and, I, and, and, I, and maybe I'm not using the right term, so I want y'all, when we come back from break, to be all over what I'm about to say. And those of you listeners out there, thank you for sending me the email saying, Dr. Pat, we don't really like it when you get all political, but I'm not getting political. I'm talking about the reality of something. Sometimes we don't like the idea that a woman may have the ability to exert some power as a matter of fact, as women, I was talking to an old boss of mine who I reconnected with, and yes, yeah, shout out to Carlton right now. And I remember this man that I worked with in a corporate environment, and we worked in an all-male environment. And myself was the only woman. He, I think he was the only. I think he was the only black person in the organization. And I remember how he was there to help with limiting, stopping uh, misogyny. I mean, that is the term. Mm-hmm. And, and we're, we're on Facebook back and forth here, back and forth, kind of joking about it now. But I got to tell you, a working woman, and yes, in this century, right, even in this century, but go back a few years, 1970, 1980, even 1990, 
it was very different conversation. Yeah. Very. You know, you opened up staff meetings with dirty jokes. But let's talk about the symbolism of freedom for all when we come back. Okay. Let's all talk right. about how we can be in a world right now where we do have a woman running for president and we don't have an equal rights amendment. Oh, no. Did she actually say that? People are probably thinking, what the heck does that even mean? And dare I say that I mentioned last night Gloria Steinem was on air and somebody said, is she an actor? Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Are you searching? searching? Looking for a sign? A message you need to hear? From the great unknown? From the most mysterious place? That is the most familiar to your soul and the depths of who you are. The universe puts someone here to talk to, someone God gave a blessing to, that you may find insight with. TheAngelLady.net, 1-800-323-1790. Tune in to The Michael Shane Show, the third Tuesday of each month at 11 a.m. Pacific on TransformationTalkRadio.com and connect with the ascended beings to raise your vibration and manifest the life you desire. Get ready to receive healing through the transphysical mediumship of Reverend Michael Shane and the ascended beings. Visit michaelshane.com. That's M-Y-C-H-A-E-L, shane.com, and call 425-971-6632 to schedule your full healing session now. What is a brilliant culture, and how do we create them? Why are they important? Claudette Rowley has created a breakthrough five-step process to help you design a culture that is authentic, innovative, and successful. Learn how to create change with Cultural Brilliance Radio, the DNA of organizational excellence, and Claudette Rowley. To learn more or work with Claudette, visit ClaudetteRowley.com. Hi, this is Leslie Fontaine. What in this very moment are you creating or drawing to yourself? Notice your field when you desire something. Are you in agreement from your emotions to your power center to your sense and desire of security? Do you second guess your intuition or even shut it down? These are clues to what you are about to create. What you have done so far is already here. Every block is a clue and your heart's desire is there to transform it. Are you ready to shift? If you are, visit lesliefontaine.com and let's talk about unfolding all that you want to be, do, and have. You'll find sessions, classes, audio products to help remove the blocks and move you into your potential. And listen to my show, Sheer Alchemy, on Transformation Talk Radio, Wednesdays at 10 Pacific, 1 Eastern. Holistic Medical Center is where you find it all. A healthy space with doctors who care, see, and listen to the whole you. Hi, this is Dr. Darvish. If you have not found an answer to your chronic symptoms, you will find answers here at Holistic Medical Center. Our doctors find the root cause of your symptoms and guide your body towards healing naturally. We transform lives from within. 
Visit drdarvish.com or call 425-451-0404. Thank you, Benny. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Uh, for more information about us, go to the drpatshow.com. Go to transformationtalkradio.com. You know, we're talking about the secret life of Lady Liberty, Goddess in the New World. Fabulous book, Dr. Bob, Laura, you've put together here. I want to make sure all of you out there um, are able to find out more about it. If you go to the website, Secret Life of ladyliberty.com you're going to be able to find out uh, more than just the Statue of Liberty this is a bigger conversation and the book takes us on that journey you know it takes us on the journey to explore not just where are we in the world in terms of the evolution of this feminine energy but also to talk about this is not just about women what we've seen change in the world, and I think both of you are going to talk about this right now, is we've seen men do an amazing job of integrating the divine feminine and the divine masculine together. I mean, I never thought in my lifetime I would go down to Green Lake Park and see men pushing a baby carriage. I mean, generations... You know, I'm not talking about a hundred generations ago. I'm talking maybe one or two generations. We have changed the landscape of the conversation. Are we done? No. And I'd love to hear y- your thoughts about this. Well, I would like to second your statements there. I see that there's quite a lot of movement in that direction. And I think, again, it's happening in the family because that's where compassion needs to start and be valued and i think that's what's happening with these younger men this new generation so to speak who are just valuing that female side to them Mm -hmm. um so you know whenever we have a resurgence of female strength which we've had since the second wave of the 1970s of of women Mm -hmm. activists there's always a pushback and we cover that by in the book through some other areas that we found. Uh, You've been so kind to mention that we go through lots of different histories where we were looking for symbols like the Statue of Liberty of divine female power, and we were also looking for the hidden spheres of female power amongst real women. So that's how we talk about the Gnostic Christians and the Cathars, because they, they, um, those were the Gospels that were discovered in the 1940s and 50s that had been hidden because they were deemed by the Orthodox Roman Church as heretical. And you know what heretic means? It means you have the right to choose. That comes from the root word to choose. And we like to think of the Statue of Liberty as a symbol for America being the place where you have the liberty to choose what you want to believe. So back in the early days of the early Christian Church, they were following a lot of the teachings of Mary Magdalene, who allegedly Mm -hmm. got the secret teachings passed down to her from Jesus. And they welcomed women, just like Jesus did, in a very heretical way. He taught with women, he taught women side by side, he ate with women. But when the Roman Church took over the Christian teachings in the early 400s or so, they pressed down their hierarchical domination control into that religion so that all these lovely 
gender balance that Jesus had initiated were just wiped away. So there's another resurgence around the 1100s in the Middle Ages with the, uh, the Court of Love, the Eleanor Aquitaine, that time period when, the, again, the divine female was raised up and the, the chalice and the grail, all those stories come out, the King Arthur stories where, where women again were exalted. And then what follows that? The Inquisition, where almost all the victims of the Inquisition raging by the Church were women. So we're, we're experiencing that again now. There's another resurgence of the divine feminine, some people would say. You know, we've got the rediscovery of the Black Madonnas, another symbol of the hidden female in the Church. And we've got this rise of the women's rights movement. And what's happening today? We're, we've got this resurgence of the right wing, this terribly misogynistic type of talk, you know, the anti-feminist rhetoric that uh, women shouldn't be allowed to lead because they they are, you know, they're they're the daughters of Eve and they should be back in the kitchen. Yeah, they take it all the way back to the original sin, which uh, is especially problematical. Uh, Christianity really used to be about unconditional love. That was Jesus Christ. Unconditional mm -hmm. love. This is extremely high consciousness. And for all of us, all of us uh, are working towards that in our own personal evolution. By, so taking these archetypes such as the Statue of Liberty and other symbols like that can affect consciousness because symbols do that. When, mm -hmm. you, when we watch them, when we learn about them, when you see that the like, say, for instance, when the Statue of Liberty, you have two halves. You have the right half, then the left half, and the, and the right hand that she's holding, this torch, this torch of higher consciousness. And the left hand, she's cradling this book, or a law book, and it is July 4th, 1776. It's like her baby. She's like the mother figure of this. Of this. And that's a balance, again. The, the right side is the active side. The left side is the in, the intuitive aspect of it, and when you go down, especially to like the feet of the Statue of Liberty, you know there's a there's a chain on the Statue of Liberty. Did you know that? Mm. Mm. No, there's a, no. There's a chain. She's standing on it. She's standing on. She is uh, another. In other words, she is crushing uh, the. Well, what would you call that? Uh, chains of tyranny. Tyranny. Yes. Yeah. Tyranny. Chains of tyranny. That's tyranny right. Tyranny that's bound us to one religion or uh, a tyranny that, that, that really can dis well, destroy wholeness. So I, I like the terms that you use for your radio programming and transformation. We are all yes. in that process of transforming from one thing or another, and I'm glad that men are moving in that direction and have been. Uh, there are certain parts of our country, however, that feel that that's not what you should do. Uh, they still believe that Eve... The woman is Satan, and because of that, uh, then she should not lead. I, I'm glad yeah. you brought up the ERA too, because if you well, ask most I, young people today, let's talk about the ERA. Yeah, I want to talk about that because, yeah. So let's just let's just look at the statement. So we're we may be on the ver may I don't know, but we may be on the verge of electing a president that is a woman in a country that doesn't have equal rights for women. My brain is really getting a little bit mishmashed with the idea, but many people, generations of women even today, don't know that that's the case. Yep. If you walked up to somebody on the street, uh, uh, I would venture to say, and we're actually thinking of doing this, yep. and say, 
Um, do you believe women ha uh, legally have equal rights? I wonder how many how many people, men and women, say, of course they do. Most people assume it's protected, right. But as you point out here, and as we know, and I think last night there was a show talking about it, uh, we may be uh, electing a president who doesn't have equal rights. Right. She can, can legally please... be discriminated against. But there may be people listening to the show that say, Pat, you've lost your mind. What are you talking about? So folks don't even know what ERA even is. Right. Right. But you and, do. And, and that's you're what right. you're most about people, to talk about. Most people assume it either passed or it's just written into the Constitution. But in yeah. 1982, it, it did fail to pass, although there is still a movement to try to get it up again for the vote. It's, it never died. But the importance of that Equal Rights Amendment in the Constitution mm -hmm. is yeah. the key point is mm -hmm. that would finally protect women from gender discrimination once and for all. A lot of people will say it's no longer needed because of things like Title IX and various other equal rights uh, work for pay, those kind of things that have passed, but those are legislation, and they can be rolled back by any new administration coming through. So, as I was saying before, these resurgences of female power are usually followed by the pendulum swinging back the other way. And in order to protect this, these accomplishments that women in the Western world have made in the last couple of decades, that Equal Rights Amendment is the only thing that will protect it from being dis diminished if we would vote in somebody who is against women's rights, which mm -hmm. one of our candidates is. I couldn't have said it any better. That's great. Yeah. That's true. That's true, and it's, well, and it's shocking. Well, we don't know. I, I think what's happened is... Uh, there's a friend that says, just like the Statue of Liberty and what it had come to mean for my relatives when they came over, um, we have forgotten that. And so for those of us that do talk radio like this, my, my role, as I love to see it, is to help raise the level of consciousness. I don't have a judgment about this one, that one, who, what, where. Because if we believe that there is a higher order of things in the world, and maybe we do have to go through times of debate, maybe we do have to go through times of conflict, maybe we do have to go through these times of controversy to realize that leaves falling from trees in the Pacific Northwest in the middle of August is just not normal. Mm maybe we have to do a little bit of this so that we can get a new consciousness bump. I'm an optimist. I kind of hope we don't, but that's really not what, what my life has been about. And it's certainly not the lives of the people we, that you refer to in this book. You know, we wouldn't be talking about Joan of Arc if something horrific didn't happen there, would we? Oh, you're right. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Yeah, another right. symbol of a, a strong woman who defied the uh, the patriarchy. And she can, another symbol that can be seen by both sides. In in the middle of the 1800s in France, the royalists adopted her as a symbol for the pro-monarchy movement. Where in a, a, about two decades later, later the suffragists adopted Joan of Arc and saw her as a, a female standing up against men. So she can be used either way. Good symbols are like that. But, yeah, we're all connected. Everybody mm -hmm. is connected. We are all one people on one planet. And the more that each of us can realize that and accept that the little actions that you take make a difference in the long run, you know, you never know when that one little act of kindness that you make is going to have a huge ripple effect. So 
that's how you change. You change in your mm-hmm. own backyard, and you look for women to elevate to positions of power. You were very eloquent earlier saying that men are making room for them, and it is it obviously relies on men as well. And we're not advocating voting for men or for women. We're advocating voting no. for compassion. Policies yeah. that allow for both men and women to become more compassionate to their families and be leaders, because you can't be both. That's why the women drop out of the workforce, even though they're graduating from college at a higher rate. You don't see them, what is it, 5% of the Fortune 500 CEOs are women, because they naturally drop out to take care of their children or their elders. And uh, if we could change the, the companies who have recognized this, and there have been plenty of studies that have made the allowances not for women, but for compassion, so that you can be flexible with your work schedule and with your career arc, so that you can take care of your family and become a leader. That's what we need to focus on for an American future of liberty for all. Yeah. You know, I, I, I venture to say, uh, growing up in the East Coast and growing up in New York, some of us over there went through uh, our, our younger years of education having exercises, shall I call them, around the Statue of Liberty. And what I mean by that is, you know, you go into a classroom and, you know, if you're living in New York uh, or, or, or in New Jersey, but anywhere around there where you're, every time, you know, you turn around Statue of Liberty, right? Yeah. But if you're in that environment, you go through grade school and your teacher does a thing and says, let's think about, think of a word that comes to mind for you. And we're young kids. Uh, what does the Statue of Liberty mean to you in a word? Write it down. And I remember this exercise as a, as a kid, right? Oh, yeah. And you write it down on the little paper. You got your, your pad and you write it down. And you think, well, you know, I don't know. What are we going to go around the room? And the teacher then says, come up to the chalkboard, remember that? No. And pick out a color and write your word. And I, you know, I can remember that like it was yesterday. Huh. And I don't remember everybody's word, but I do remember mine. What was your mine word? Was, mine was respect. respect. Oh. And you were just that, a young girl. A young yeah. girl, and that is a word. Not only did that that does that word mean a lot to me today, but it also means for me to make sure that I am aware of being respectful to others. Right. That's right. It's so important uh, of a word, and I've studied it. I went on to study for eight years. I asked people what they thought in the workplace that their their company was obligated to provide them with. I asked hundreds and hundreds of people. I gave them hundreds of choices. 98% of everybody polled, what do you think the word was they picked? R-E-S-P-C-T. Exactly. Not money, not pension, not bonuses, not a window office. And, and, And I think that when you're talking about the symbolism today and what's happening, I think we are all wanting to have people demonstrate that we literally respect each other, even our differences. And I think that's the missing element. And that's what the Statue of Liberty, uh, when we look at it, people are in awe by it, and they don't even know why. Well, that's the importance of diversity, because diverse people can work that out, I think, more easily. If you live in a 
well, like a puritanical environment in the 1600s where there was absolutely no diversity, and any diversity meant you could be put to death. Um, oh, yeah. You know, uh, that uh, that's obviously not an area you, you could go into. But um, have you been inside the Statue of Liberty? Yes. Oh, yes. You, I you mean, know that you know, feeling, field but. trip, field mm-hmm, trips, mm-hmm. right? We all did the field trip thing, right? Right. The and Museum we, of Art, we climbed up. the Statue of yeah, and uh, the, again, metaphorically, trying to look at American history through the lens of Lady Liberty, which you can really get a good feel for when you do climb all the way up there and look out over the harbor. And respect and reverence and reciprocity, those are the, some of the things we picked up from the Native American traditions when we were focusing on the, the New World aspect and looking at the Indian princess that the colonial framers of the Constitution created this image of Libertas. She's holding a pole and a cap, but she's wearing an Indian headdress. And they used that to separate from the mother country. They they gave themselves a new substitute mother goddess. It's almost as if they knew they needed that image of a female mother and a conscience to, to guide them. But what we learned from studying that is that, of course, these matrifocal cultures that were here, especially in the northeastern of the North America, they reverenced the earth, they had respect for all peoples, for all sentient beings, for the women, of course, and it just goes hand in hand. When you respect your women, you respect the earth, and it is something that we're striving to lead our our own national consciousness towards through the symbolism of the Statue of Liberty as a goddess. You know, someone asked me, uh, and I think that they were thinking I would say Hillary Clinton. Someone asked me who I thought was a modern day, what was the term they used? I can't, uh, 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 female modern day something or other. I, uh, heroine, I can't remember the exact word, right? Mm-hmm. But, but who in our day and age, who in contemporary time, you know, Pat, do you point to? And it was interesting. We kind of went around a room of about 100 women, and, and we did this. And, you know, got to me, and I, I, it was very clear to me who I resonate with, even today. And it is a young woman called Malala Yosafzai. Oh, yeah. And, you know, this is the woman that um, maybe it's because of my upbringing. Maybe it's because I know what it's like you know, to live uh, on a street or be threatened just because of who you are. But I think about her, and I I think about her often, and I think about, you know, when she says the extremists are afraid of the books and the pens, the power of education frightens them, Mm -hmm. they are afraid of women, the power of the voice of women frightens them. Right. I think of this woman, and I am just... I'm in awe by her presence as a modern-day goddess, so to speak. Yeah. So I don't know if I agree. And I don't know if I agree with the Dalai Lama Mm -hmm. about what he said, because I'm seeing a woman like her Mm -hmm. make this world of awareness leap years she's taken, I think. I don't know. Yeah, because she's had so many more challenges to overcome than the so-called Western women have. That's why she's making such an impact. such a brave person. What a great role model you picked. I think, you know, when you boil down the sentence, it's just showing that in the West we have, as women, more opportunities, more wealth, more education. So, therefore, it should be a given. And, in fact, America has the moral obligation to change and to lead the way. The Statue of Liberty is a symbol of change. There's something
something else that we can use as an inspiration. She's changed her meaning for us, and we've changed her throughout the century and a half or so. And um, America is still caught in this materialistic consumer mindset of domination and militarism, but it's shifting. We see it amongst our neighbors and ourselves. We see it in our communities and our committee meetings. It's shifting, and we can encourage that in the, in the small things that we do every day in the way we vote. We vote for policies that allow this type of respect and cooperation. Well, being uh, an historian, I think one of the greatest shocks that I ever had in studying our nation was that my discovery uh, of the League of the Iroquois Indians in 1142 A.D., they had a representative form of government and which women were really key as a matter of fact, Laura's already talked about that. But it was such a shock to realize, you know, there's still some people that do believe Christopher Columbus was first. Mm-hmm. And he may have been last. There were so many other cultures that came here. We're beginning to see that perhaps some of the Chinese came here. Uh, certainly the Vikings came here. Uh, and also uh, some people from uh, Israel. Well, it wasn't yeah. Israel then. Uh, mm-hmm. Came here. We found their coins uh, along the Mississippi mm-hmm. River. Yeah. Uh, so it shocked me that if they could do it, and I'm certain it shocked our founding fathers because they were the teachers of our founding fathers. So we're talking about Jefferson, Washington, Franklin, Monroe, all of them uh, were students under them, John Adams especially. And uh, I, I've tried in the many shows that I've done on history, discovery, National Geographic, et cetera, they will never allow me to talk about mm-hmm. the League of the Iroquois. I'm mm-hmm. always shut up when mm-hmm. I get to that point, because they don't believe it. They really yeah. don't, but they haven't read the material. It's overwhelming. The, they, the League of the Iroquois mm-hmm. sat in above, uh, as a matter of fact, they, they slept in the yeah. Independence well, yeah. Hall. Well, you know, we're going to have to come back and talk about that because, boy, this hour has zipped by. I want to thank both of you very, very much for joining me here today. Uh, And to remind us that we, no matter what we decide to choose for life, we get to choose here. And I think the Statue of Liberty symbolizes the right that we have to choose in this country. Either way, whatever you decide, It is something that no one can take away from us at the moment. Thank you both for joining me here today. Thank Thank you all for for tuning us in. Yeah, what a great show. Wow, we've got another fabulous show coming up, everybody. Stay tuned. The preceding audio was via a Skype call.